All right. Hi, everyone. It's another Friday where we're going to chat and have some fun. And uh, today we have with us Valerie with Sits and Wiggles. Hi, Valerie. Hey, hi, Judy. How are you doing? Hello. Good. Good. Hi, Nikki. Hi, guys. And, we, and we, where did you come up? I have to ask you this. This is my big question I always ask people. Where did you come up with this name? Because it's so cute. <laughs> um. <laughs> It's a ridiculous story. Um, they, all, they always are, but they're always fun. <laughs> That's why they're so much fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I wanted something here in Cleveland. We are the land of kind of the other side of the training coin. A lot of punishment, a lot of serious names and, um, you know, whatever, canine, elites, you know, master. I'm like, oh, we cannot do that. We, we aren't those people. We we're serious about dogs. We're serious about positive reinforcement training, but we're goofy. We're funny. <laughs> life, life just can't be serious. Um, so we were, we've been tossing around names for weeks and we type them into Google and some other company would come up, uh, you know? <laughs> and, um, so we go out to a bar one night for a friend's birthday and we're just laughing and joking. We start talking about, you know, why haven't you picked a name yet for the company? And somebody else, I think it was even a different conversation, um, said the naughty word and giggles. <laughs> so cracking giggles. <laughs> and we lost it. We started laughing and um, someone goes, what about sits and wiggles? Because you teach them to sit. Um, at that point, we were having a pet sitting component, um, so kind of focus there. And then we do a lot of rescue work um, with pit bulls, and pit bulls are kind of notorious for being wiggly. wiggly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, pits and wiggles. Pet care and training was born. Um, unfortunately, COVID kind of took a big piece of our, our pet care, our dog walking and pet sitting component. Um, but we're still here with the dog training busier than ever. Um, yeah, so sits and wiggles. And the funny thing is, is either people get it and they laugh Are hysterically, they... flies over their head and, and they just think it's a cute little dog related name. So. <laughs> I think it's a well, great and name. And it, I mean, it's great, brand, it. it's great branding, isn't it? Because training's gotta be fun <laughs> and lighthearted and stress-free and all the rest of it, so. It, it yeah. has to be when people call you versus the other side of the equation that they feel happy and the name just kind of sets that happy presence immediately and people should have fun training it shouldn't be a job it should be fun yeah it, you know it, especially we do a lot of behavior modification work um separation mm -hmm. anxiety aggression reactivity all of that kind of stuff and stuff's hard and emotional and it's easy mm -hmm. even as a, a dog guardian to get burned out so we try and yeah. you know bring some levity to it and we understand it's serious, but um, you know, that it's not, doesn't have to be horrible, awful all the time, that it needs to be, we still need to have fun with our dogs, even if mm -hmm. we do have to have a lot of work and management. Yeah. So. And especially when you work with rescue, because I know you do a lot of work with rescue and pit bulls and aggression and stuff. I think yeah. we, we have to be, because um, we have to help our clients, don't we? Because often they come to the table very stressed and very, concerned and yeah yeah especially we've um since the pandemic hit we've really been seeing a big increase of um kind of issues around stranger <laughs> danger and around resource guarding whether it's we're just kind of in our dog space more or we're noticing mm -hmm. things more 
whatever right. the cause of that is. Um, so trying to keep things a little bit lighter. Um, part of all of our training plans is play trick training. I don't want you just working on how to muzzle train your dog. That's boring right. work. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to do yeah. it. Um, but teaching your dog how to roll over helps replenish our emotional cup as well as theirs. So, you know, we try and integrate that with every case. We don't try and, and just be serious about it all. And keeping, giving them something fun to do because people come in and they have really serious problems or what are yeah. perceived problems or can become problems. And working on that exclusively has to keep things really stressful. So doing something fun where you can laugh and, and have fun is going to make all the difference in the world. Yeah, I found it really helps with building the bond between them and their dog. They love their dog. They're not coming to me and spending a whole bunch of money and making these big commitments because they don't love their dog. But oftentimes, especially if there has been an injury or, you know, police have been called or, you know, things like that mm -hmm. are happening, it starts to wear down and break apart the relationship between human and the dog. Mm -hmm. And when that starts happening and we can't repair it, that's whenever things get really ugly for the dog, right? It's when we mm -hmm. consider rehoming them. It's when we consider maybe just putting them out. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. uh, and, and, and let's be honest, a lot of dog owners only get to us when they've already just, that they think they've considered everything mm -hmm. and they're already at their wits end. They're no longer looking at the dog as a loving family member. It's an obligation, it's a burden, it's a stress factor. So often the first thing we have to do is really quickly sort of rebuild that connection so that they right. want to work with the dog and help the dog. Um, I mean, I, I, I always thank Lance. I'm like, thank you so much for yeah. caring enough mm -hmm. about your pet to reach out because so many owners don't and they'll just relinquish them to a shelter. Or I read an article on Facebook the other day. It wasn't even an article. It was a post. And somebody said, this is my dog, blah, blah. And he's a good boy, but we can no longer keep him, but he doesn't like other dogs and cats. He can be aggressive. And I left him on the corner of Cherry Street and so-and-so Street. Mm. So if you want him, go get him. And you, you sort of look at that and go, is that some kind of joke? Would No, it's not. And, you know, we see mm -hmm. it a lot, especially, yeah. um, I do a lot of work with the city animal care and control here in Cleveland and Cleveland is the poorest country in the nation right now. Um, you know, we're really struggling at, at meeting ends meet. And so that is a very viable option for folks. Um, they don't know what else to do, right? Yeah. The shelters are yeah. full. It's well, from, really my, from my perspective, I'm looking at that, not just as a dog trainer, but as a pet owner going, and I'm sure you'd be the same, Jude, is that I walk my dog around these neighborhoods and I'm always super vigilant. My dog's not aggressive at all, but I've also had um, such scenarios in the past knowing that just one bad scenario can just emotionally damage a dog to the point where you're going to spend years afterwards trying to rectify that. So I'm very protective with my dog and other dogs. And every now and again, there are dogs off leash and you think, mm. but to think that there's a dog off leash in a particular location that the owner is categorically saying is aggressive. You just right. think, oh my goodness, what if that's the dog that you bump into while you're out walking your dog? Yeah. And, you know, and especially yeah. in urban environments, there isn't a lot of opportunity and places to go to get away. Right. Mm -hmm. you know? Right. 
it's the houses are butted yeah. right up against the street yeah. and it is just house drive house drive house drive and a lot of yeah. the driveways yeah. have fencing across them so you can't even like run up someone's yeah. driveway yeah um, and hide yeah I, I don't know about you but when I'm out with my dog and and we used to live on a lot of land so my dog wasn't walked we would we lived on 24 acres so we did agility and all kinds of other stuff and very rarely did I actually take my dog out to walk I would I would make a habit of doing it at least two or three times a month just because I didn't want her to lose her ability to deal with traffic and noises and people mm -hmm. but we never had the uh, fear of uh, stray dogs I am so vigilant here I always know, and I don't know if you're the same, but when I'm out running with my dog, I've always got plan A, B, and C if a dog comes after us. It's like, mm -hmm. first of all, I've got my pepper spray. I've got treats that are the first line of defense. I always carry a spare leash. So, and I always tell my husband who runs with us, if we get a dog charging towards us, I will throw Doogie's leash at you. I will deal with said <laughs> problem dog. And my last case scenario is pick up my dog and throw it into somebody's garden to protect it. If that's what mm -hmm. I have to do. But it's really awful that you have to go out into your own neighborhood yeah. and, and have yeah. that sort of layer of, of uh, contingencies in place. If, you know, if, if the <laughs> treats don't work, if the spray doesn't work or the leash doesn't work, if the spray doesn't work, then what do you do? Right. <laughs> Where do yeah. you go from there? Oh, you throw your dog over someone's fence, yeah, and, 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 fence. <laughs> and hope there aren't four aggressive dogs on the other side yeah. of the fence. I mean, yeah. it's like, oh my God. Exactly. <laughs> and then... You know, I, because I do so much work with um, a couple of the big shelters here, and we have a huge pit bull population. And in our shelters here, um, we have three very, very big ones, then we have some smaller ones in the suburbs. Um, I would say 90% of the shelter population is pit bull. Right. Some kind of pit mm -hmm. bull type dog. Um, and we're definitely starting to see more massive, specifically corsos. And they come with a stereotype um, so not only do you have all of the things that you're worrying about there, if it's, you know, it's little fluffy cabochon, whatever that comes rushing at you and it happens, it happened to me, yes. it's still my pit bull's fault. Right. Absolutely. Like, yeah. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I, I, I always hate to generalize. And I say that whenever we chat on here, I, I hate to generalize, but in gen, in general, I always find that the 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 um, the worst people are those. I always find that the Doberman and the pit bulls and the big dog owners seem really responsible. They've got harnesses on. They've got double leashes. I have a neighbor that has three huskies that she walks around the neighborhood. One of them's aggressive and always has a nice muzzle on. It's the little nine pound dogs that come charging out of someone's front door. And the next thing you know, they're nipping at your heels. Yeah. And, and the owner's like, right. oh, oh, it's okay. It's okay. You think, no, it's not yeah. okay. No. Not. Yeah. yeah. And it, so. it, it seems like my aggression calls people that are worried about their dogs um, because of their size. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll call and say, I'm really worried about this dog around other dogs in the neighborhood. And I find him and he's just the biggest, sweetest teddy bear. Yeah. But you don't hear that ever from people yeah. with little dogs. I've never yeah. had a little dog person call me and say, yeah. my dog, I'm worried about him. Yeah. 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 I, I I, we've been getting them. I've been trying to push on our social media that small dogs need and deserve training as well. Mm -hmm. um, but just yeah. because they're in pounds versus 50 or 100 yeah. pounds doesn't mean that it's okay not only you know to your community mm -hmm. um you know we have one dog in my neighborhood who she was the little dog she was the one that attacked me and my two pit bulls we weren't even out of our driveway yet mm -hmm. and you know 
but the emotional damage of being that reactive and that anxious Mm -hmm. um, and going through that trauma. Thankfully, my girls were, yeah, they tussled, but they didn't injure this little dog. Mm -hmm. Um, She was nicely slobbered on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's still like it for me, even, even though it was seven, eight years ago, still, I think about that. And I think about how traumatized that little dog is or how Mm -hmm. if they're constantly sitting at the window screaming their head off how it's not good for their mental health no do you um do you ever bring that to light do you ever wish or have flashbacks sometimes I wish I knew nothing about dog behavior and I could go back to the ignorant bliss of just being a pet owner yeah yeah Yeah, you know because we're out there like worrying about all these scenarios I was out the other day with Doogie and there's a lady who lives near us who has twins in a, and she runs as well. So she's always out running with her twins. And I love it because I'm like, God, your workout's going to get harder by the month because these twins are getting bigger <laughs> and bigger. And she was, she'd stopped in front of us. And I realized she'd stopped because there was a lady coming towards us with a healer and a mixed breed dog. And the woman was walking the dogs over to the pram, the pushchair. And both the twins, the girls who are about two years old, were like leaning out, grabbing at the dogs. Ooh. And, I'm, and several times she said to me, mm-hmm. oh, because the twins squeal with excitement when they see Doogie. But I never take Doogie over there because quite honestly, I'm scared. My dog doesn't know about children. They're just noisy things <laughs> in a red thing that going down the road. <laughs> and, I, and then I realized that her healer was growling at Doogie. And I thought, oh, my God, this is a rescue oh. disaster. Because so I stopped mm-hmm. thinking I'm just going to wait here. I'm not going to get any closer because this could trigger a fracas with these two kids. And they were like, oh, no, no, go past, go past. And I, I remember thinking, I wish I was ignorant. That would be so blissful right now. Yeah, yeah. we have a lot of dog-friendly patios um, here in Cleveland in the summer months, not now whenever we're under several feet of snow and ice. Um, my wife will not let me go to a dog-friendly patio anymore. She's like, no, uh, <laughs> if you want to go to that restaurant, it yeah. has a dog-friendly patio. We're eating inside away from where you can see the patio. Oh, you can't even see them. Yeah. yeah it's, so yeah. Stress- nope. it's so stressful, isn't it? Yeah. Just to watch it is. the interactions. Yeah. I, I won't. Like, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I won't even go to certain shopping areas. These little, you know, quaint little towns with mm-hmm. the you know, stores on either side of the street. If they allow dogs, I can't go. Because yeah. my husband's like, stop stressing over that dog yeah. in the pinch collar yeah. and the dog in the shot collar. And, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's devastating. Be- become, become, becoming a professional sucks all the fun out of having it your own does. dog. <laughs> it does. <laughs> or going to dog places. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, we're pretty lucky. Not too far from my house, even here in the city, we have a, um, a pretty kind of, abandoned park and we have some very beautiful cemeteries that are dog friendly and so there's plenty of space to get away do some decompression long line walks um and not have to worry so much about reactivity um and those issues so thankfully we have that but yeah it's like i can't drive down the street i or Mm -hmm. i do the other thing too it's like i see a dog on a freedom harness and the person has a treat pouch i am like yes beep beep I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's talk about stereotypes for a minute because we were talking about them with um, the dogs. I love when I see these really sort of big men, macho men, 
There's one near us who walks this little chihuahua mixed dog and he's always dropping cookies on the floor. And it makes me <laughs> yeah. so happy when I see that. It does. Because, because yeah. you know, it's just, yeah, you know, I just, I love it. I just absolutely love it. Yeah. yeah. Or, or like the, you know, all of the bully breeds and the guardian breeds and yeah. things like that. And they're yeah. not on a shock and a prong collar. Somebody got through to them that, yeah. no, yeah. you don't need different methods. You can be kind yeah. and humane yeah. and use positive yeah. reinforcement, even with these big, strong knucklehead dogs. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm just going to move this conversation in a slightly different direction. And I know this is something we've all thought about and probably all discussed before, but I think it's worth talking about. First of all, I'm just going to say hi to Scott, who's on Facebook watching us. Hi, Scott. Hi, Elsa. Elsa says that you are, and uh, no, Dorian says that you are amazing for the Cleveland community. So well done, Valerie. Good job. Yay. Hi, Dorian. Thanks um, for logging in. <laughs> I told him my friends, it's like, at least just log on, even if you put it on mute, just so I think there's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. Um, so the other day I was, my husband and I were out running and he has an injured knee. So we were a bit concerned about it. So we were talking about some of the things that we could get as a training aid, you know, some of the um, support systems. And I said to him, well, I, you know, putting on a support system like that is just you're just treating the symptom aren't you you aren't actually addressing the underlying issue so let's figure out what it is let's do some massage do some um therapy do some foam rolling so that when it comes to race day in a couple of weeks we don't have to go out with these knee supports and while i was running along the side i was thinking you know all these people that are out there on prong collars and choke collars and shock collars talking about success with training dogs they haven't actually trained the dogs because they're still using mm -hmm. the crutch. Um, right. So, so, so that, so that, so then what, what are they actually doing? And it, I had a flashback when I was a very young trainer in like 2003 or four, I went to a community dog club um, exhibition and there was a trainer there doing a, an obedience demonstration. And I, and my husband actually, I think I told Judy about the story once because we were laughing because our, hus <laughs> our husbands are really similar. And my husband, my, yeah, my husband actually steered me away. My husband steered me away, put me in the car and said, it's time to go home. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm standing there and he's doing this demonstration with this gorgeous Labrador and literally every three seconds, jerk, jerk, every three steps. And I'm counting it going, uh -huh. okay, so we've got a nice fixed ratio punishment going here. Every three steps, jerk, jerk, jerk. And then he said, he stopped it. He said, okay, that's the end of my demonstration. And if anyone would like to show, if anyone would like me to demo how they can train their dog. And I said, hang on a minute, you haven't trained anything. <laughs> if, if a dog, if you train, never a dog learns, you would see an observable change in behavior. How long have you had your dog? Five years. And after five years, your dog still requires a fixed ratio of punishment every three steps. And I just stood there and said, that is not a successful way to teach loose leash walking people. <laughs> and, at, and, at that point, and at that point my husband was like hands on my shoulder sort of guiding me in the I'm, I'm kind of laughing not at the story but because I can visualize Rick doing that and I yeah. can visualize my yeah. husband doing yeah. that as well now <laughs> my wife has done the same thing so she yeah. might they know us very well don't they well, right I, I mean, to be honest, antecedent control now, I wouldn't even put myself in that situation because I would mm -hmm. not, because I recognize right. that what I used to do 
back in the day is the least effective way to change hearts and minds because i'm sure everybody went who's the asshole english woman shouting out of the audience yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean they they certainly went looking at me and going oh let me go talk to her about dog training but i just uh, so, so anyway so i was sort of thinking about this and thinking can we even it's a question for you guys can we even suggest that these dogs are being trained i mean they're not if the behavior is not changing so why do we why do we call them training tools? They're, they're being trained to avoid, but they're not even able to avoid. They're being trained. The only thing they're learning is that that person is not good. Right. And, and it's funny. That's unfortunate. That, because that Labrador was learning that when I'm close to my owner, I get hurt. So therefore, the mm -hmm. dog forges ahead thinking, well, if I can get ahead, maybe I'm not going to get jerked because the, because the pain is happening here. Right right here right. yeah so actually you're teaching your dog to avoid being here because that's where unpleasant stuff really happens but it mm -hmm. still goes back to my I, I got home and i started writing a blog about this and i thought okay let me go back to what's the definition of learning what's the definition of teaching what's the definition of training and i don't think you can put forth an argument that these dogs are actually being trained they're just being managed in a harsh way in my being controlled yeah. yeah they're being controlled mm -hmm. in my experience exactly they're um micromanaged even from a lot of clients that I've had, you know, kind of go through that method and then come to me of like, it didn't really work or things are worse. Mm -mm. Um, hearing what they were told to do, I'm like, wow, that has to be really stressful. I mean, for the person. Dog, we know, but for yes. you as well, mm -hmm. it's like, this isn't a way, way to live. Yes. I'm going to recommend management, especially if, you know, your dog is hates having people come in the house yeah we're going to have management in place mm -hmm. but to upend everybody's life that much it's mm -hmm. so unfair to everybody involved and no wonder right. they yeah. kind of ditch dogs or just mm -hmm. let the dog end up doing whatever it's doing to the point that right something else ends up happening because it's not fun it's i don't know like <laughs> it just doesn't you know, make sense to me there's no you know and this is part of the reason why i got into positive reinforcement training it didn't have any logic to right me. yeah it doesn't to me it's it yeah it didn't make any sense yeah where positive reinforcement did make some sense and mm -hmm. then to have the science behind it mm -hmm. i'm like well okay now i know why it makes so much sense to me yeah yeah well, well and well, it just felt that, traumatizing as well well that, that kind of well, that kind of goes to your point, Valerie, about how when you're working with a dog and then you start playing, right, and you teach them something fun, mm -hmm. that makes the training experience fun for the person, where before, if they've been with a trainer like that, it has not been fun. Right. So they learn that they can have a good yeah. time while they're yeah. teaching their dog. I, so I just, it's, it's critically important. I just, I think it's really sad that, uh, I mean, I remember watching this lady that day because as I was dragged off to the vehicle, I was watching this woman hand her <laughs> And I was like, no, no, don't hand your dog to that man. Um, she, she knew, it was almost like she knew she shouldn't do this, hand the dog over, because she clearly hadn't really liked what she'd seen. But at the same time was so conflicted about, well, I want my dog trained. So I think mm -hmm. at a minimum, pet owners are conflicted because whether they can articulate, communicate that they don't want their dog hurt, 
they are able to sense that this is not the most enjoyable thing for their pet. That they maybe can't verbalize that or grasp it, but they seem to understand that it's not right. Yeah. But they still go mm -hmm. ahead and do it. I, I think at least here, I'm going to only speak to really my experience here in Cleveland is um, they seem to be really good kind of used car salesmen. Mm -hmm. Almost. Where Definitely. The marketing is really great. Um, yeah. The videos that they put out look really great until like you actually know dog body language. And, exactly. Um, well, right down to the vehicles they just, drive, right? Oh, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it, yeah. and it just kind of sucks them in. And I think, you know, this is part of the reason why, um, for me, inclusivity in dog training, especially positive reinforcement is really important. Absolutely. And getting out to the, you know, the different communities, mm -hmm. um, especially the male identified communities, yeah. right? Because yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I love and, our and men. I do. I love our men, but y'all need your yeah. ego strokes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and kind of quickly, and you don't realize, you know, educating around you can have, you know, this really great relationship mm -hmm. and even a bigger ego and better mental health and all of these things that are so important. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. And thank you for that segue because I'm just going to mention that we have, um, Judy's going to correct me here because I'm going to get the wrong date. <laughs> I think it's, a, is it next Friday, Judy? Next Friday. Next Friday. Yeah, uh -huh. ne next Friday we do our monthly PPG advocacy panel and we're actually speaking about inclusivity we're talking about and we want to hear from you so come and join us we are very committed to ensuring that everybody feels very welcome at the <clears throat> professional guild yeah and we've actually Valerie's going to join us as well you're going to join the panel but our inclusivity <laughs> division committee is going to join us too um, and a few other experts so we're going to have a really good dialogue about what we can do and what we need to do to reach because there are lots of pockets of positive reinforcement dog trainers mm -hmm. that by all accounts, say they don't really feel like they belong anywhere and we need to make them or help them feel belong with us, with the positive reinforcement community. So how can we best do that is the question. So if you have any ideas and thoughts on that, please do um, join us next Friday, three o'clock. Yeah, we, I mean, yeah. the wonderful thing about the positive reinforcement community and as a woman being like, I am in a woman dominated field. This is so awesome coming out of the computer field before that was so male dominated um but we are white middle-aged cisgendered women yeah yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. we like, don't understand know. we can't start to understand we need right it, yeah. we do a little bit because right. we're women um and that's yeah. been kind of also part of what we do here at Sits and Wiggles is mm -hmm. I identify as a pansexual woman. I have a life mm -hmm. um, and in big part of the LGBT community here in Cleveland and kind of bringing them in. And right. the nice thing about the queer community is there is a lot of intersectionality um, with other, mm -hmm. you know, minority groups mm -hmm. uh, that we can start to I have a little, I have a little foot in the door. I don't feel like I can speak to, you know, the whole community um, and right. definitely not for right. um, BIPOC people, but mm -hmm. it's something that 
as white middle-aged women, we kind of need to make sure. I'm old. Know. I don't, I don't, I don't identify as middle-aged. I identify as being old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only just accepting it at like 44. So. <laughs> and it's mostly because my knees and my back. Um, <laughs> keep telling me I am. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I'm really looking, I, I'm actually really looking forward to next week because um, our inclusivity division and I, and Angel's actually just logged in here now. He just said hello. So hi, Angel. Um, I, see, I seem to see Angel every day these days. We're either in a meeting or something. Um, we've got some really nice. We're doing some really nice work. Um, there's some really nice things coming out of the inclusivity division. So I'm really excited because I think that's going to be really impactful for our organization. I'm excited to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Have, it's a great bunch of people. We have a lot of fun along the way, which is also really, really important. Um, while we're talking about this, because I know, Valerie, you do work with aggression and reactivity and stuff. So I wanted to talk about um, slip leashes. And I wanted to talk about them in the context of, of tools, because it's a question we often get asked at PPG. And it came up in a discussion in a Facebook group a couple of weeks ago. And I try to um, obviously, I can't micromanage what our members do on Facebook. That's not my role. Everybody has professional autonomy. Um, but I do sort of watch and observe and I see the types of discussions that take place. And I always think it gives me really good information and questions to ask people like you. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pull you and Judy into this conversation. So I, we owned a pet resort and animal hospital for several years. And we, every day we would move around about 50 animals in and out from building to building. And we used to use slip leads, but we used the English slip lead that had the metal tag on it that's, that prevents the leash from actually choking. And we had to use those sometimes because in a kennel environment, you don't have dogs in collars, they're completely naked for safety. Right. But I, our staff were never allowed to use the very thin slip leashes that veterinary hospitals mm -hmm. use because a they're not safe and b they choke yeah right so right. Th there was a conversation about what what does ppg think about slip leads and if you read our non-negotiables i mean we have a, a seven page ethics document we have our guiding principles but our non-negotiables do state that members agree to not use choke prong or shock pain force or fear now choke prong and shock it's very, very objective. Is a dog wearing it? Is it a tool you're using? If so, then you probably are not eligible for membership. Pain, force, or fear, they have to be functionally assessed because somebody can say, well, they're using pain with the dog, but the dog might not, you know, it's based on how, how does the dog experience the interaction, the training. So one individual said, I'm force-free, but I do recommend slip leashes for big reactive dogs because I don't think it's force-free if the dog gets loose and bites somebody. And I'm sort of thinking, well, these two arguments, you can't conflate these two exactly. arguments. They're completely right. different things. So I right. wanted to spend, so that, that for me then becomes a skill issue because if you mm -hmm. have the skills and the knowledge, you are able with the right equipment to take any dog out safely, whether that means um, a harness, whether that means a harness, two leashes, whether that means a harness, two leashes and a muzzle, whether that means a harness, two leashes, two people and a muzzle, whether that means a harness, two leashes, two people, a muzzle in a private fenced in area. As a professional, you assess what do I need to do to keep everybody safe? Safe. So I wanted to spend a couple of minutes and talk about the right equipment so that we don't ever have to get into this, well, I need to use these tools in an emergency or with management or whatever. So let's talk about reactivity, dogs, equipment, and how we keep dogs safe. Go, you guys, talk to me about what you do, what you use. So with a lot of my clients, um, again, because we have limited space, um, we don't necessarily have fenced yards, things of that nature. We're living in apartments, urban area, right? We mm -hmm. do usually um, 
with reactive mm-hmm. or dogs that are truly aggressive, muscle training is a must. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So we do a lot of that, but then we also do kind of a secondary thing. I never use a slip lead, but I do have dogs that are bigger and stronger than their owners. Mm-hmm. So we'll do a two leash system, usually to like a running leash to a martingale collar that is appropriately fitted. So it doesn't choke, mm-hmm. but can't slip off of their head. Right, right. Um, especially mm-hmm. like <clears throat> right now we had an ice storm last night and now we have a couple of inches of snow over the ice and whenever you have to take your dog out to the sidewalk mm-hmm. to use the restroom yeah there's a lot of concern for slip and fall right um, so mm-hmm. i do think like yeah. that and then secondary yeah. like true training leash mm-hmm. is clipped to the harness. um <laughs> the the waist leash to the martingale collar is a backup if i lose right. my wish i sleep right. mm-hmm. slip and fall something <clears throat> of that nature. um yeah. and for me with the exception of a few dogs where we have opted to go for a well-conditioned head halter, um, that's kind of our standard go-to here. And that's our, and, and the nice thing is um, the couple of big shelters that we work with here, that's also their standard for taking dogs out to events. Um, so the volunteer staff is already behind that and can help yeah. support the adopters yeah. in going, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. This is actually a really yeah. good thing. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I know that's a really good point you made there. And let's just add on to that a minute because I, as an, I, as an executive director of a humane society many, many years ago, um, we were very careful about staff handling with equipment because if you have a dog in a shelter and a small four by four, six by six kennel, um, and that dog has to go out. Let's say it's one of the older design kennels where they don't have an external run. So they have to be physically taken mm. out to exercise. Sometimes you have to use those, those restricted slips because you have to just hook a dog and guide them out. But our staff were trained to hook a dog, guide out, and if necessary, Hansel and Gretel with food. There was never, I say there was never, there should never have been <laughs> any, any sort of force, yeah? Because, yeah? because with some dogs, it just wouldn't have been safe for a handler, a care, a pet care technician to go into that small space and then start That's to try right. to maneuver a collar or a harness. I mean, the reality mm-hmm. is that you've got safety issues. Right. I personally, right. and, I, and I'm, I'm happy to be contradicted by either of you, but I personally don't believe that there is ever a need even with large dogs that can overpower owners, I think there is enough equipment in the marketplace now that you don't need to be using a slip. The slip which, lead, which, I agree. Yeah, I mean, you just don't. Um, I mean, when I run my dog, sometimes when I run Doogie, I have two leashes on. I have a short leash, which is the mm-hmm. extension, the leash that she's running on. If I'm on a road with cars, if I'm on a trail, it's a whole different scenario. And I have it attached to my belt because as you guys know, I... I have a very clumsy gene or DNA system in my body and I do a lot, I fall a lot. And uh, not, not, not the most recent fall that I had that I put on Facebook with my bashed up knees, but I fell a few, oh, weeks, yeah. I fell a few weeks ago. And when I went down and scuffed my hands, you, when you go to brace yourself, you let go of what's in your hand. So right. when you talk right. about ice on the pavement, I would think going out with the dog on ice, I would want a secondary oh. system because if you fall, Absolutely. that dog's gone. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if it's you know a fearful dog or one um, that has recently been adopted, recently come into your home. Yeah. It, it, even dogs have been around. That can be enough of a, a spook and a scare for them to be like, all right, I'm out of here. And right. 
we yeah. don't want that being lost is scary. Mm -hmm. And if they end up being picked up by animal control, that can mm -hmm. be terrifying. That's devastating. Absolutely. Right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And depending on the dog, I mean, there are these awful stories where, you know, with a pit bull mix or a bully mix that ends up getting lost and the shelter doesn't have room, they euthanize within hours sometimes. I mean, right. owners go to find their dog and find mm -hmm. the dog is not available any longer. I mean, how mm -hmm. awful is that? Thankfully, we don't have Horrible. that here. <laughs> we are, I feel, feel really lucky with the shelters that we have here that they, um, they care. They yeah. actually really yeah. care. Yeah. I, I, you know, so do, do things slip through the cracks? Sure. But whenever, you know, at any given time, they have a hundred plus dogs to take care of, it's going right. to happen. Um, but, and, it, and it's not just with the bully breeds. I see so many of these dogs, the doodle mixes and things like that coming out who have been raised right. They've done the, the puppy mm -hmm. socialization and all of that. And they I, still just are yeah. fearful dogs. Yeah. A slip and a fall and then a trek goes by or something like that. It, right. Gone. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I always say to myself, and when we owned an animal hospital, we had a, the animal hospital was in one building and the boarding kennel was in another. And our clients, we, we had a vet who worked at the hospital and a lot of our clients were her clients. So we often had clients that would drop the dog off a boarding and say, I booked, I've scheduled on Thursday for a vet appointment. So we'd have to transfer the dog. And when I got there, they were literally transferring <laughs> them on those little, you know, oh. leashes. And I, I always look at every situation and say, what is the worst case scenario that could come from this? And if that is a dog getting loose or getting lost, that is not okay. No, it's just not right. okay. Yeah, whenever um, we were doing the right. pet care, that was a big thing. Uh, our staff did the double leash system, even if it was a really fantastic dog, double leash system, yeah. just in case, especially in winter months yeah. or rainy, you know, rainy time. Um, we still offer... Um, what we call walk and train. So little half hour visits where we come to your house, we do yeah. the bulk of your dog training. Yeah. Um, secondary leash, yeah. you know, the last call I ever want to make is you lost your dog. Yes. Well, <laughs> one, of the, one of the policies that we have uh, for our dog smiths, we have a network of dog trainers and pet care professionals is they don't walk, ever walk more than two dogs. And if the dog weighs right. more than 50 pounds, they don't ever walk more than one dog. And, and, and that's for so many reasons, but when I think about, let's circle this back to the first five minutes when I was talking about all my little contingency planning for me and my dog. <laughs> what on earth do you do if you get attacked and you have two dogs? Or five, or 10. Well, I've two dogs is a bad enough scenario, yeah. but then yeah, you throw in I, three more. I mean, I mean, there's a, I go back to the, one of our neighbors who has three Huskies and they're lovely dogs. They walk really nicely, but I think, what if that dog that charged us last week charges her? Mm -hmm. Two, my husband and I could handle that because I just dropped the, gave the doogie's leash to Rick, took my spare leash out, hooked it over, led it back to the owner and said, there's your freaking dog, put it back in the yard. But what if we, it had been me with three dogs? How would you deal oh. with that? That is a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I mean, that for me is my worst nightmare right there. Yeah. Yeah. And then if they decide to turn on each other too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back to the slip leads. I, I hear so many people say it's, it's for not only for safety, safety, but it's quick, right? I can slip this lead over a dog's neck and get him from one room to another. 
there's options that they can do. I, there's a, a Comfort Flex collar that I use. It's, it's pretty wide and it's, it's padded all the way around. It's a limited slip. They can go for things like that. Yeah. They're going to spend a little bit more, but yeah. I think, you know, us as pet owners, as well as professionals, why aren't we asking our veterinarians or whoever, our groomers, why are you using that? Mm-hmm. Why don't we use this instead? And I, I think it needs to be, we need to see a tide turn yeah. out there yeah, no, because it's just not a necessary. Lot, a lot more work um, and walking in the shelters and stuff. Um, the same company that makes the slip leads also makes a martingale style slip lead. Mm-hmm. Right. So it really was just as easy with that limited slip functionality. So you didn't get that choke. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So yeah, that was, that was my go-to. I pushed it for a lot of volunteers and they, they seem to like it as well because you get that extra level of safety of the dog, not slipping away. Right. Nice and mm-hmm. quick. Um, you know, and in the shelter environment, dogs are so many different sizes. It's hard to, it's hard. Um, do I have, yeah. enough, do I have enough collars of the right size and the right fit? Yeah. Right. And, and and also, um, I mean, some of the whippets and the sort of the long, the longer neck dogs, I mean, you have to even be careful with harnesses. I mean, my girlfriend, Wendy, has mm-hmm. a whippet, Molly. Molly can back out of so many of the harnesses, you know, because, oh, of, the, yeah. because of the body. Um, the body size. Yeah. I mean, I just spent weeks looking for a harness for Doogie to run in that, that has I had an extra clip on it because she panicked one day and started backing up. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oh my God, she could get out of this. And I, what did you find? What did you find, Nikki? It's a rough wear. That's what I use. I think they're amazing. I absolutely, and I've tried all the most famous harnesses designed by the most famous people. And honestly, they all just didn't feel right. Um, Yeah. And I, and I, I, and I, because Judy knows I'm writing a new program for diagnostics called Run With Your Bestie. I'm sort of taking 10 years of, running coaching and dog training and combining them together for a program and I thought well I've got to just buy all these harnesses and test run them because people look at us obviously one of the first slides is what sort of equipment do you need and with some of them it honestly I just can't recommend it because I've seen dogs when they're afraid start yep. doing start doing that and they're able to back out it's so flexible they are right and <laughs> yeah, I, one, yeah. one of our members posted on Facebook I think it was um I think it was Kate LaSala maybe posted one day that she bought this new harness and she loved it and it had the extra fastener and I thought oh I'm gonna try that and I bought it and as soon as I put it on I thought this is it and my dog loves it I mean some of my harnesses I have to Mm -hmm. constantly counter condition them when I get them out Doogie's like all right this one head straight through and it's don't you don't have the ability to fasten it around the neck like you can with some of the others they have to actually put their head through it right loves it absolutely loves it and when and when we're wearing it i feel it's safe it's comfortable it's got the chest um and, you, and good movement yeah the chest yeah. plate and good movement yeah. in the arm not restricting so, yeah my dog has my four vet, arms my vet's an acupuncturist and does a lot of like post and pre-surgical rehab and um sports medicine rehab and that's the only harness that she will recommend oh i'm really pleased so, to hear that i'm really pleased yeah. to hear that yeah. yeah, she loves the rough wear. Yeah. And it's a great company, yeah. just an amazing company. So yeah, yeah I'm, I like I'm, to support them. I'm gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see what it's like in the summer when it starts getting really hot here. I'm not sure if it will 
Um, they do have a summer version of that harness. It's not as sturdy. Of course sturdy. they do. Of course there's a reason to grab by yet another yeah. harness. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Because five is never enough, is it? That's right. And then they come out with a new color. And so... Right. Yeah. 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 But, you know, it's interesting because I have friends that um, are just harness gurus. You ask them about harnesses and they'll say, well, there's this one, pros and cons, this one. And I'm not. I mean, I've never been um, a big guru about harnesses. Um, I, I like the look of them. I'll, does, does it restrict movement? Does the dog enjoy wearing it? Is it chafing? But this one, I just looked at it and went, yeah, this just looks really good. Really liking mm -hmm. this. So, yeah. so the other thing that they do, all of the clips are protected so they're not up against the skin or the hair. Right. And right. so there's so many things with equipment that we yeah. don't think about, but that's one of the things we should think about. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Not, now we're doing a sales pitch, right, for Rutgers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll do a sales pitch for Westpool uh, freeze-dried. I don't know why these are on my desk. Air-dried bison on my desk. No idea <laughs> they look good. <laughs> yeah probably something else i was testing yeah yeah they're not cheese flavor so it's not something that i've been eating <laughs> right <laughs> i do try a lot of my dog's treats but not the bison ones yeah yeah, yeah. so any other thoughts on equipment for working with reactive aggressive or just if it, i mean dogs don't even have to be reactive or aggressive just some of the larger breed dogs that haven't been trained to walk nicely can be a pain on equipment the way they bounce and jump and spin and yeah yeah I, you know i with a lot of my clients um especially considering finances and stuff mm -hmm. I, we try and work within what they already have a lot of the time um yeah. and only suggest if it's just really not working um some different mm -hmm. options we try and be we try and be cognizant of you know everybody deserves quality training um, right Right, not just right. the well-off so you know we try and be respectful of that within within reason you know if it is just it is just the wrong fit it is hurting the dog the dog is terrified of it um and finds it aversive then yeah we're going to try and work and find some other options um mm -hmm. but those are yeah the the rough wars are some great harnesses that we enjoy using um along with some others um mm -hmm. several of our shelters <clears throat> um sell the freedom harness which i know not all force free people love um, is, that, but is that the two hounds is freedom two hounds yes yeah, yeah. the two yeah. hounds so if yeah. that's what the dog comes you know they're purchasing it there at the shelter for a nice price hey i'm way better than putting a prong or a shock or a choke on your dog I, absolutely right. right yeah absolutely and yeah. um, hannah ross smith says judy that mm -hmm. Rockwell, just here's another harness we can buy Roughwear has a winter jacket with the harness built into it. So that's not for me because I live in Florida, but for you, yeah. for you ladies up there in the climate, maybe get yourself yeah. the, uh, thank you, Hannah. I'm gonna have to do that. And it probably comes in an array of color selections. So you can buy two or three. As long as it versions. comes in pink and orange, we're good. <laughs> have, you, have, orange. have you guys seen that video that goes around Facebook about that little white chihuahua that the, doc, the man owns? And it starts off with him going over to the closet and opening the door. And there's like 150 <laughs> little outfits. The dog's got more clothes than I've got. I, I've got a client like that, yeah. actually, with a little white fluff ball dog. That yeah, has I'm pretty sure my pities have closet. more sweaters than I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Louise, my girlfriend, and my business partner with Dognostics that lives in Spain, she... um. I had to, I, I don't know, I might be telling the wrong story here because on a couple of occasions she's found, she's seen something in the US that she can't get in Spain. So I buy it and send it over for her. 
And I think it was actually um, the Pitbull organization, Fit for a Pit. Yeah. They had a Harley Davidson jacket and Louise wanted it for her um, staffy jambo. So, and she, she, took a photo, she took a photograph of him wearing it, sitting on the back of a Harley Davidson motorbike. So oh, cute. cute. Yeah. They all need clothes. You know, they need to be kept Don't warm. Don't say that, my girl, my girl doesn't have clothes. Except for your girl, your yeah. poor yeah, dog and poor Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From the Cleveland last week, she would have been like, um, mom, no. <laughs> well, I, I do think, and Valerie, I'm sure you'll agree with me, that Doogie does need one of those sun shields so she doesn't burn her pretty hair. Well, yeah. I do put, I, I put yeah. sun lotion on, I know. <laughs> yeah. 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 But to be honest with you, my, um, Doogie will not go out if it's over 75 degrees. She will no. actually refuse to go. She hates the heat. And it's too hot with all that hair. Yeah, well, the very first day I brought her home as a puppy, um, I took her outside and she just looked at me as if I was nuts and went straight back in the house again. And she literally put her nose through the dog door, sniffed the air, and if it's over a certain temperature, she just comes back in the house. I, I actually... I actually fostered a group of puppies, Aussie puppies, and I kept one of the puppies because he would lay on the air conditioner vent and I was scared to death he would go to a home that would put him outside. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have the opposite, <laughs> opposite up here. <laughs> pit bulls, and they're in front of the heat vent and stick one paw into the snow and they're like, nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah. That's um, cold. Talk to me about cold weather and dogs because PPG has a really nice heat index um, handout that actually we got our in-house vet to develop for us back in um, 2014 when we owned the pet resort because it looks at humidity and heat and then temperature yeah. because the heat index. But we don't have a version of that for cold. And I, I, know, I, mean, I mean, I know that some dogs um, and I see colleagues on from PPG posting dogs of their pit dogs posting pictures of their huskies by choice being out in the snow just lying in the snow yeah and, and people are like put your dog inside well the dog wants to be outside but yeah a lot of the northern breeds and the livestock guardian breeds you, you can't get them to come inside no. when they're snow. yeah it's a right. thing and, you know I I encourage my clients uh, let you know supervise them make sure they're still being safe make sure they're not you know getting frostbite yeah are um, dehydration, so you won't need right, to keep water in them as right. well, even though it's cold. Um, but if that's what they're doing and they're and they're fine and they're healthy, yeah. You know, obviously, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm I'm in some of the adopter groups, and there's a lot of pities and and some pit bull kind of groups, and they're mm -hmm. like, we can't get our dogs to go outside. Um, right. I do have one that will literally, as long as it's not raining and thundering, she will take a walk every day. Um, so we do things. Um, Sometimes she is a no-go on booties, um, but so we do like a musher secret kind of thing to help protect the paws. Mm -hmm. We do coats. Um, my other girl is kind of a freeze baby, so she is currently wearing a sweater even inside the house. Um, yeah, wow. <laughs> like she has her favorite sweater. She'll literally, when she decides she's cold, she has gone and got it and brought it to us mm -hmm. before. Yeah. <laughs> What, what are guidelines? Animal, you know? if, if, a, if a pet owner was out, and I know it, it would be breed dependent, let's say a pet owner who doesn't have sort of a northern, you know, husky, that you know, one of the sort of sledding mm -hmm. dogs, so to speak. Let's say they've got a, I don't know, a spaniel, a clumber spaniel, 
and they and they mm-hmm. never had a dog before and they ask well you know what temperature at what temperature would it be best for me to put a jumper on my sweater How, what do you guys call jumper a sweater pullover I don't know yeah um, yeah I think it depends on the dog um yeah. my Aussie that I double coated Aussie he I, I never had gotten him a sweater and I bought him a sweater one time and he was a different dog when he had it on right. it was so happy and so comfortable <laughs> so he wanted a sweater if it was 40 degrees out really so it's yeah, yeah. and he yeah. slept better I use a lot of fleeces because yeah. they do keep them warm but I yeah. I think dogs need them in, in our cold climate right. not in Florida yeah. of course but yeah it just depends on the dog and what their comfort level is like us yeah and the nice thing yeah. up here in the northern states is dog clothes sweaters boots heavy duty jackets and things like that they're at every store you can go to walmart target not just the pet supplies and they're hey this is here this is what you need to get for your dog um so i very rarely see dogs well loved well maintained dogs i should say without a sweater yeah without sweaters without without much secret um it's in in the adopters groups that i'm in um for the one shelter it's conversations, especially because yeah. pitties are kind of hard mm-hmm. to fit sometimes and they're wide chested and it, what fits, what's not fitting, what size is your dog and, and big conversations. Hard. About, yeah. What are we doing for? Yeah. For, yeah. This whole stereotype. Nikki, my, tough dogs. <laughs> yeah. My, they just don't have the hair. I just pulled up right. something and we can research a little bit more, but they're saying 40 degrees is unsafe potential depending on the breed keep an eye on your pet whenever outdoors that's 40 degrees right so you know it, it can and if it's wet outside if it's humid damp it just yeah. Puts that, yeah yeah so you know i'm i'm absolutely with valerie on that we i feel like if i see a dog in a sweater or a coat that's a well-loved dog yeah and i it just it, it's almost as bad as me seeing a dog in a shot collar when I see a dog out in the cold without a sweater. And I know it's different, but to me it feels almost the oh, same. Oh, I, I feel the same. When I see dogs yeah. in Florida out in a yard where there's no very little oh, shade and you shade. Just, oh my mm-hmm. god. I mean they, they just wouldn't choose to be in that situation. No. They look miserable. No. Yeah. Yeah. They actually are and the behavior is indicate indicates yeah. that. Mm-hmm. They're barking at the end of their leash their you know or their chain they're and, miserable yeah yeah I just think oh. I mean, my, my philosophy is that every single minute of all the time that I'm with my dog I'm constantly asking myself is my dog happy and not just okay not just neutral but are they actually happy and, right. and, that's, and that's why I mean I, I love the quirky behavior when they when, when she comes running up to me carrying one of Rick's shoes that she's stolen <laughs> out of his closet and I just go oh, look what I found so funny yeah <laughs> I love it in the morning when you wake up with a slipper drops on your head I mean both <laughs> are hilarious. Like, oh my god yeah so funny. or you pull your covers down and there's like six squeaky balls and yeah. one of those purple yeah. wings and a yeah. 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 yeah 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 for, yeah. for our feet, <laughs> she likes destroying things and you know toys and we have to have squeaker ectomies you know at yeah. least <laughs> this once is a, a day at our house this is the first um, dog that I've ever had who's ever shared my house who steals things and has since she was a puppy but has never damaged anything and after about a month I said to my husband why are we trying to stop this why not just let her have stuff um 
and yeah. her shoes and I mean actually if you go and look at her dog bed right now I actually put Rick's shoes on her in her toy basket <laughs> and, and Rick's like where are my shoes I'm like Tra- look at the look at the dog's toy basket because they so you know what it's it's really about attitude right yeah big deal of it it becomes yeah. a big deal but isn't it something to make a big deal of no they're just showing their personality yeah. so you know, I don't want to. Why do dogs? Why do dogs? Why do some dogs have to have something in their mouth when they greet you? What is it? Uh, my my dog. Phoenix it always has something in her mouth. It doesn't matter if you've been out the room for ten minutes. All right, I've got my office door closed now, and when I open my office door, she'll be lying outside. She will go find something to put in her mouth to bring. Mm-hmm. She probably always- with. With Doogie, it's probably because one time she did it and you thought it was cute and you expressed that you thought it was cute. So now she thinks she's even as a pu- Honestly, <laughs> even as a puppet, I mean, she, I, yeah. I, I actually think she's a blue male golden retriever. She could be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could really. be. I mean, it's like she has, she's like a golden retriever. Yeah, mm-hmm. Phoenix, is, Phoenix does the same. She always has to have something in her mouth. I don't ever remember her not. So she yeah. probably did sometime as a puppy and we thought it was the best yeah. thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. One of the funniest times was we were, um, she was still a puppy, still potty training, and somehow we missed a cue, we messed up, and she pooped on the floor. Mm-hmm. I don't know where she found paper towels at, but she came trotting in with paper towels and then <laughs> led us back to her accident with paper towels, and we we took That's yeah. hysterical. That is hysterical. Yeah. But, but see, here's the thing. You recognize that and appreciate it where uh, someone else might go, oh my gosh, now she's got yeah. the paper towels. And she's yeah. going to destroy them. So yeah, she's carrying you know. it happy as can be. Yeah. She, thankfully, That's it's so only ever, like, her tennis balls and her squeaky toys that we have mm-hmm. to destroy. Um, but then whenever <laughs> she finds little pieces of it, she has to bring them to us. She's very excited to do that. And um, we laughingly and jokingly call it her art that we're collecting for a mural. Oh. Um, the mural yeah. is a trash can, but it's, it's fine. She doesn't know. <laughs> That's I, I, I have a client, well, I, I don't see her anymore. Her dogs are, are senior dogs now, but from day one with her Rhodesian Ridgeback, she'd come home and there would be things torn up on the floor. And she would take a picture and she'd post it on Facebook and she would say, this is today's artwork. And the next day there would be things torn up on the floor. This is today's artwork. And she looked at it like the dog's moving things yeah. around, big deal. Yeah. And got so much joy out of what he would do every day. Yeah. And I think that's the approach we need to take. Absolutely. Upset. Well, well, and I, I think yeah. as well, I mean, my dog lives in my house. I mean, this is her home. Mm-hmm. And she, right. she can pretty much do whatever she wants as long as she doesn't damage anything or destroy yeah. stuff. And she never has. Right. right. That's, a, that's a big thing I push with a lot of clients. You know, I'm like, where does your dog sleep at night? And they're like, in my bed or oh my dog begs at the at the table I was like is it bother you yeah but that's not right right and I'm like I don't it doesn't bother you it doesn't bother me right right yeah yeah my dogs I don't want them paws up on the table while I'm trying to eat but if they're sitting there staring at me and hoping for a piece of cheese to fall to the ground Um, I'm fine with that absolutely yeah that these old myths of like sleeping in the bed, begging at the table, yeah, having toys around, whatever. Like, yeah. When did we start? I, 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 I'm really interested to understand how, I mean, we, we, we're going to have to go in a minute because we're, we're way past our time. But <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun, so let's just keep going. Um, <laughs> when, when did dogs living in homes become this, we have to control and manipulate? Because 
Growing up, it was actually the opposite. In England growing up, I mean, we didn't have pets because my brother was severely allergic and had asthma. But all our neighbors had pets. All my friends had pets. Pets came and went as they wanted. Nobody messed with them. Nobody really trained them. We didn't have problems with bites and resource guarding. Not that I recall. How did Mm -hmm. we get from that to a massive need to control every waking moment of their lives? Where did that come from? It it came from someone who decided that you have to train every single behavior. And it, who knows where it initially came from, but that's where things start, right? You have to over control. And when you over control, you think you're getting the perfect pet. You're getting a miserable pet. But even television and seeing things like, you know, but, but, but let's be honest here. This is not just what we would consider non-reinforcement, positive reinforcement trainers, because I'm right. sure, I'm sure, I mean, I've been to lots of dog conferences, positive reinforcement trainers, and you sit mm-hmm. there and think, just let your dog be a dog because every minute it's got to be on a sit or a down or a stand. It's like, why can't it just chill out? It doesn't right. have to, what's wrong mm-hmm. with standing or lying? Why does it have to sit? It's almost, yeah. so, so yeah. even though these behaviors are trained with a clicker and a piece of food, it's still very controlling and very micromanagement. Mm-hmm. It still isn't good yeah. for dogs to have their behaviors right. controlled. Even if you're doing it in a nice way, it's still not good. I think that's part of the reason why, like when I started early on, you know, yeah, sitting sits and downs and stays and stuff, loose leash manners, you know, mm-hmm. it, that's all great and well and good. And we probably need to have some of those things kind of installed, but doing behavior, it's just like, oh my gosh, we had a slightly better day today and it's time to celebrate. Yeah, We had a right. better day today than two days ago. It's time to celebrate again. And it really kind of shifted what is and isn't important right um, but realistically I'm sitting here now realistically thinking and unless I've just had an absolute brain fart which could have happened because I have a lot of them (laughs) I can't remember the last time I insisted that my dog sit Mm -mm. I can't remember my cue to sit no I don't I don't teach it anymore yeah instead I teach let them choose their body position it doesn't matter There's no time where a dog has to do a specific body position unless your vet's examining and needs a stand, right? Yeah, or you're in an obedience ring. But other than that, exactly. Yeah. And so often, especially in behavior cases, if we have drilled things like sits and downs, they don't, they lose that choice. And then we turn this dog into a ticking time bomb where it finally kind of loses its cool instead of making choices to move away. Right. When, when you over control, if I hear you when, say sit one more time, <laughs> when, yeah. when you over control, you take choices away Absolutely, and, and they yeah. don't feel like they have the choice to move. Right. Away right. There's a, a really nice article. I don't have it in front of me and it, it's called something like, um, puppies are not puppets or something like that. Yeah. I've wanted to write that article. This girl did such a great job with it. I'm, why rewrite something that somebody yeah. did such a wonderful job yeah. with? Every one of my clients get that. And, and it's about over-controlling. And, you know, sometimes I'll hand it to a client and say, I've got this, you are not this person, but you know what? It's good to, to read it anyway. Yeah. And it really does make a big difference. Well, it does the trickle-down yeah. effect when you get that information out. They're going to share it right. with someone. And that person's going to absolutely 
Yeah, and yeah. I think, you know, as part one of our, our jobs as being advocates and advocacy peeps for, for our sort of humane ethical training and care, I think we have an obligation to try and propagate that information getting out to, you know, facilitate right. getting out. Because isn't there like seven training behaviors that every dog should learn? I mean, I've seen this before. Sit down, stay, leave it, drop it, come when called. I do believe they all need coming when called. But I think we need to start getting away from those seven or whatever number it is of behaviors. Because, I mean, they know how to sit. They know how to down. Do we really have to Oh, but it's it? not. It's, but it's not just the behaviors, it's the context. I mean, I, I, I in, in 2006 or seven, I decided in my group training classes, I was no longer going to run my group training classes like the Dog Obedience Club, where mm -hmm. everybody stands in a line and you put your dog on a down and you walk away and you stand there and you stare at your dog and then you walk back. I said, why? Who, when is your dog ever Who does that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who does that? <laughs> but you still see that's how it's still trained. And it's one of unfortunately yeah and it's one of the reasons why i'm absolutely convinced that the attrition rate in dog training classes is so high because people after mm -hmm. week two they're going well i don't really well, i don't understand how this is re relative to my dog yeah i mean right. i i teach right. leave it and i teach weight and i teach boundaries because i want <laughs> clients to be able to go home and say well i don't want the dog in the kitchen when i'm cooking and those so, are safety things, right? Those are yeah. life-saving things. But, but, leave they're, it when they're, but they're all yeah. taught in the context of the family home and when they're going to be used. Right. Not right. sort of what I call the broom up the ass, formal type sort of military mm -hmm. obedience. Yeah. It's not yeah. needed. We tell our clients that all the time. We're like, they're like, well, what do we have to do? I'm like, what do you want to do? <laughs> yeah. Right, like, right. You, what, do, what do you need? What does your what dog do you need? need? What do you want? Yeah. I, there's some right. safety factors, especially yeah. if you are dealing mm -hmm. with yeah. big behavior issues. If it's separation anxiety, we have to make sure your dog's safe, right? Yeah. If right. it's depression, if it's reactivity, we don't want those things to... We have a, a diligence not only to our dogs and their safety, but the community and the safety. Right, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So I'm like, beyond that, we're gonna get our yeah. your dog to where yeah. you're comfortable with your dog. Well, mm -hmm. and, and here's an right. here's an important point for me. A lot of dog owners say I'm gonna sign up for a group class because I can't afford <laughs> private. And I and I would say to them on the phone, well, a group class has a specific curriculum. So if you look at the curriculum of blah, 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 if you don't feel those behaviors are relevant, then don't sign up for a group class. What do you actually want your dog to know so it can live comfortably in your home? And they'd say, I just want my mm -hmm. dog to not pee on my carpet, not bite my children and not grab food off the counter. And when I go in the yard and right. say, I know it comes back. <laughs> All right. Well, it'll be cheaper for you to do two private lessons. We can cover that in two private lessons. And you're going to get training right. that meets your needs. You're not going to have to sit through eight classes of right. training skills yeah. that you are never going to use because you don't need them. I hate teaching uh, too, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, well, yeah. Yeah. Elsa, Elsa just said, what would be your top three skills to teach every dog? And I'll tell you my three, and then you guys can tell me your three. My three is come when called. It's life-saving. Yeah. emergency recall taking a step up and wait wait at doors and gates those are the three things yeah. that i teach yeah. every single animal but what about you guys i might be missing something so um i would take i would definitely a recall but i wouldn't differentiate um because that's because that only gives me one other skill to choose so i'm just going to choose the recall. Oh. yeah yeah <laughs> okay i i would always teach leave it 
living in Florida. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with snakes and stuff like that because Oh, I, definitely. Yeah, I for safety I want if I go leave it, I want my dog to leave it. And I and I'm going to I know say, that that four or three is not fair because I yeah. would, I also teach leave Yeah. It. And I think I'm going to say loose leash walking only because I think that becomes such a welfare issue for dogs, because I wrote a blog years ago called The Downward Spiral of Dogs, because I saw so many dogs that came into homes as puppies and they would go out on a leash. They weren't well behaved. So the leash, so the walking got less and less. They had fewer activities. Then because they weren't getting exercise, their behavior spiraled. And in the end, they ended up as yard dogs because nobody wanted them in the house because they were an ass. So yeah, it just becomes me, a big yeah, vicious circle. Right. So for me, mm-hmm. um, now with my own dog, I'd probably have different cues because of the way I live with my dog, but definitely a yeah. recall, a leave it, and definitely, and I'm not talking about I'm not even talking about loose leash necessarily. Um just nice walking. Yeah, just just not yeah. being asked, just not pulling me around right. all over the place. Yeah. Right. Those, right. Those are yeah. Here in, in the city, um, obviously recall just period yeah yeah um leave it we have a lot of we call it road food (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) yeah and and god knows what and so i i don't need these dogs eating this stuff and then having gastrointestinal upset which then just Mm -hmm. that's just a whole mess right so so many um, it's so environmental right different Right. And that's why I like leave it because leave it for me is like my generalized cue for, um, I had a dog years ago that knew left and right really well. And if we're, I was running on yeah. left and she'd go, okay, left. Doogie's not, mm-hmm. yeah, my Aussie is a bit, she's a bit special for an Aussie. Um, <laughs> so leave it for me sort of means relinquish whatever you're thinking about or about to do. Okay. Just stop your brain from focusing yeah. on whatever look, look okay at me. Look, look at me you get reinforcement we're doing something else so if yeah. I'm running on a straight line and she looks like she's gonna go left I'm like leave it and she goes okay I'll come with you whatever and um, only because mm-hmm. when I'm out running with her I only want a couple of cues I don't want to be going left right, right. wait slow go fast yeah. heal yeah but, you know so I can't even get myself down the road without falling over, <laughs> over myself the dog. And, so and most of our, you know most of our clients are just pet owners that just want to take a decent walk and not have right. anything go straight right. in the mouth or right yeah. Cleveland um yeah. loose, you know for me yeah. is, is also a safety issue yeah. on part of the humans when yeah, yeah. when we have this mm-hmm. much ice you know yeah. that they're not being pulled down and injured um yeah. so and I think the average dog guardian they just want a dog that walks decently on leash yeah. but they don't have to worry about every not so great thing goes into yeah. their mouth right they come to them if something does happen but I'll give, right. you an, I'll give you an example. It's like, I don't ever, I, my dog, I don't, and um, I don't I think if you even said sit switch, probably look at you and say, what the hell's that? Um, Cause it's not something I teach. If I want, if I, if I, if I want her to be close to me stationary, I, I have a really nice peekaboo where she just tucks between my legs and puts her bum down. Mm-hmm. And it's been trained yeah. with, and it's been trained with loads and loads of fun. Peekaboo, she will charge across the yard, ram herself through your legs and just sit there and look at you. <laughs> Did she do a U-turn? Because Annie, instead of going around your leg and coming into the middle, she'll, part, she'll go you know, forwards and turn around and, and face. That's the what Annie yeah. does. I'm yeah. like, she's just yeah. like the U-turn yeah. queen. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that for me is more valuable because if I got her in a situation where I'm worried about her, like a dog coming at her, that's where I want her because I can protect her. There. Right. 
yeah. it's protection. Yeah, so, and so it's it is, fun. So it is a sit, but it's a sit in a location and it's a fun sit and it's, you know, we built mm -hmm. it in a very quirky way. So So I did don't... you teach it as a sit or did you teach it as just come through? I, no, I call it peekaboo. No, peekaboo was just, okay. um, peekaboo was basically sit, go between my legs and look up at me. And of course, okay. and, and if they're there for more than about a nanosecond, they'll put their bum down, won't they? Because right, right. Because it goes up yeah. and goes down, so. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And also, um, it was really easy to trip. My husband hates it because literally she's had so much reinforcement for this behavior that if you walk in my house, she will like force herself between your legs. <laughs> and if you come into the front door, she's like, oh, new legs to go between. <laughs> so my husband's out in the garden doing stuff and suddenly there's an Aussie shoving her head through his legs, going, <laughs> which is, is, is very amusing. But yeah, but I've always done lots of sort of leg weaves and stuff with her as well. So mm -hmm. um, yeah. she's just very comfortable doing it. But yeah, sit yeah. down. Um, I don't really, I have a down, but it's part of a, it's part of a rollover. If, oh, gotcha. Yeah. So I, I have a lie down, but that's part of hurting. Yeah. She needs that for hurting. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. With some, you know, whenever we're getting further along in our behavior modification, especially if there's issues within the home that they can go and lay on their mat. Right. And chill and do the behavior work in a more relaxed. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, safe yeah. yeah. In, in, yeah. in any room in my house, if you say go to your bed, she will go find a bed to lie on because yeah. they're all over mm -hmm. the place. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, it, it's it's some, some dogs that we, we come across just their trauma history or whatever stress they're going through, they literally need to be taught how to relax and how to breathe right. and, yeah. and right. settle. That, and, so, yeah. and, that, and that's such a safety thing too. I'll never forget. I pulled something out of the oven one time and dropped it. And here is, you know, grease and hot stuff. Yeah. I just yelled to everybody, go to your beds, hurry up. Yeah. And they all ran to right. beds. Right. You know? And I was dog sitting for one of my clients and that dog went and jumped on, on one of the beds too, because oh. heck, what do you do? I, you know? Do Doogie has a solid go to your bed because when she first came in the house as a puppy, we had a 12 year old, very old um, mm. hour who was very grumpy. Um, and the, and most of the counter conditioning took of their proximity took place on magic mats, which started off oh, yeah. the, end of the room and then gradually got closer and closer. And, you know, Leslie McDevitt, I mean, I, Leslie McDevitt has done so much for our industry. I mean, I love her pattern games, but more importantly, I think what she's brought to our industry <laughs> yeah, is, 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 is that dogs, dogs need predictability. And for me, yeah. whenever I pulled, and I bought very cheap bath mats from the dollar store. And when they came out, both my dogs knew predictable patterns were about to take place. And they went to their own mm -hmm. mat and then one would be released with a reset cookie and then go off and do something else. And the one would do a couple of spins or stays or whatever. And then they'd switch and change. So my little gizmo learned that when the mat came out, that bloody fluffy blue thing got to <laughs> But it was all very, very predictable and nothing scary mm -hmm. was going to happen. And I'm absolutely convinced that's how we managed to get our counter conditioning so quickly for this blue thing predicts okay times, I guess she can stay here. Um, adopt her, do whatever you want to do with her, she can stay because she brings- <laughs> She can stay, yeah. 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 She um, makes treats happen. Right, so, so to this day, if you say go to your bed, Doogie's like, flies to her bed. Mm -hmm. Cause it's, um, it was so much fun. It's fun. Yeah. 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 Listen, it's 416. So we're going to have to call this because Valerie's probably got client appointments. She's probably thinking, my God, I <laughs> yeah. it's actually 
Yeah. So, Valerie, thank you so much for joining yeah. us. It's been a lot of fun Thanks talking lot. to you. I'm excited that you're yeah. going to join us next Friday. I'll get the links out to you. So just let everyone know how they can find you, where they can reach you, Facebook, website, in case anybody wants to follow up with you. Um, since the letter N, Wiggles, CLE for Cleveland. That is kind of how we call Cleveland. We do it the CLE way. So um, pretty much anywhere you can find it uh, via that. So our website is sits the letter N, Wiggles, CLE.com. That's our handle on Facebook, on Instagram, and on TikTok. Lovely. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. We've been all over thank the map. Thank you. Yeah. Judy, my <laughs> co-host. Thank you so much, Judy. Have You're a fabulous, welcome. Have a fabulous weekend, everybody. Right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.